Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. If anything has become obvious, it's that this song, Rich Men North of Richmond, is poorly understood. Because people are trying to break down the lyrics as opposed to a recognition of the sentiment and leave it to the political right to not understand a cultural moment. Leave it to the political right to not know what something means to others. Leave it to them to screw it up. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833-468-8669-833. Got Tony. That is the number. That's how you get to be a part of the show. I was just going through the the song before we came on because, you know, there's some cursing in it and you got to edit that, edit that out Uh, because it's, you know, it's, it's radio and, and, you know, there are rules. And I, I finish it up and uh, Jason, who, who's our producer today, uh, producer Jason there, is like, uh, yeah, I, I didn't hear anything, right? We were testing it, making sure we didn't hear any cursing. He goes, I- I'm glad you played it. That's the first time I've heard it all the way through. I am convinced that the vast majority of people didn't see it all the way through, hear it all the way through. What they heard was some piece of this on social media, and that's it. And then people, you know, people glommed on and said, oh, this this must be something. But they didn't listen. And then I saw that someone had compiled a a video compilation of all these different types of people listening to this song. They're black. They're men. They're women. They are uh, well-dressed, not well-dressed, whatever it is listening to this song by a guy by the name of Oliver Anthony, rich men north of Richmond. They are... They are in states of emotion, ranging from agreement and applause to laughter that something could be said with that level of clarity to tears. And it's obvious to me that the people who have had real questions about this song, they never heard it all the way through, and they have no idea how people connect to it. So indulge me, if you will. I'm going to play it in full, uh, sans the cursing, because, you know, uh, the FCC is weird like that. I want you to hear it in full. 
that there is no full band behind it. It's just a guy with a, can I call it a steel guitar? There's no pretense. It's a guitar, a microphone, and a guy. There's only the rasp of his voice and the feel that he wants to share with you. As a matter of just presentation, it's it's unbelievably well done. And as a moment of connecting, the only thing in the past decade, the past decade that has come close is Childish Gambino doing This Is America, which might not have been the song you connected with, but as a piece of art, as a piece of commentary, absolutely stunning. And to deny its cultural impact is insane. The same thing is true here. Is that what it's called, a resonator guitar? Yes, Tony, Thank it's you. a resonator guitar. Thank you there, uh, Jason. I appreciate it. This is Richmond, north of Richmond, in its entirety. Listen. I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay, so I can sit out here and waste my life away. Drag back home and drown my troubles away. It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. All it is, living in the new world with an old soul. Just miners on an island somewhere Lord, we got folks in the street Ain't got nothing to eat And the whole beast milk and welfare It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Your dollar ain't sh- and it's taxed to no end. Cause the rich men, not the rich men. 
Selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay. There are people on the political right who argued that that song, well, look, if you're working overtime and not getting paid, get a new job. It's one thing to miss the point. It's another thing to want to miss the point. The point comes when you see people who are black and who are white of all different styles in depth engage with the song, letting the song take them like very much you would want a piece of art to do. The song isn't trying to tell you uh, that this specific thing is wrong or that specific thing is wrong. It is telling you about a feeling of being left behind, of not being listened to, of being ignored. And what did we see from the political right that you ignored them? You, it, you had to be purposeful. When I listened to the song the first time, it was a clip, and I said, well, I think this or I think that, but I am capable of moving myself away from some analytical thought and getting into what is the song saying and doing. People actually move to tears. Why? Because the guitar playing is so great? Because the writing is so great? Because it's literally the Citizen Kane of music? No. Because that's how they feel. That's how they feel. And people say, oh, the political right, uh, glomming onto the song. You watch this video, I will bet you dollars to donuts. Not everybody who has a reaction to the song is on the political right. What happens in a society when everyone feels no matter what I do, I'm the one being put down and somebody else is getting a deal on my back? Do you know how unbelievably connected that is? And the song is not only discussing, oh my gosh, all these people are upon me. It gets into actual conversations of how. You decide the person who doesn't do anything to care for themselves should get money based on the work that I do. If you're five foot three and you're 300 pounds and you're sitting around eating fudge rounds, you're not taking care of yourself, you're not taking care of your health, why am I paying for any of your benefits? Why do you worry about, why don't you worry about minors in the ground, but instead you're going to Epstein's Island and chasing around minors? Minors who you're raping. What is happening? And where is a standard to stop it? That is connective. Oh, the political left, they did just as bad of a job as way too many on the political right. They ignored it. They ignored it? 
how does one ignore this? Now, they are not America because this song has gone up the charts. Uh, Oliver Anthony says he's been offered millions to do this and that. He has turned things down. I don't know what his plan is, but uh, I've never spoken to the man. I wish him the very best. If I ever get the opportunity, I'll do the interview. The left wanted to ignore this because they don't want you to believe that there's any problem. They already told you what the problem is. White supremacy and those evil Republicans. And since Oliver Anthony is white, must be part of the problem or something, you better damn well believe that if that song was written by a black man, somebody would have paid a little more attention to it. But I cannot control the racist motives of MSNBC and CNN, and I don't want to. What I want to point out is the video, this compilation that shows black men and black women and white men and white women all paying attention to it, because that's where America is. It isn't in the hallways with Joy Reid or Jake Tapper. Those two don't matter, and they're sure as hell not connected to where we are. If I was a member of Congress, I would have come home to my district, held a town hall, played the video and said, who feels this way? All right. What do we got to do? Oh, Tony, that would mean that they actually care. That's the point. Show me the member of Congress who heard this, watch the reaction and then decide to say, ah, screw him. Show me the person who actually decided to act upon it. This is the way my district feels. That they are ignored, that they're put upon, that they're hated, that they're used, and they're exhausted. Because the refrain of the song, it's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me and people like you. That is not exclusionary. That is a totally inclusive statement. Completely inclusive statement, mind you. song is about us. And maybe we don't feel a certain way about point X, but we do about point Y. Maybe you don't feel that way about point X or point Y. Do you not notice that other people do? Do you know how awful you have to be not to notice? You have to be in DC politician awful. Not to notice. You have to be mainstream media not to notice. And you have to be on the political right elitist freak show being literal as opposed to being human not to let the song take you and recognize how it's connected with other people. If that's the first time you've heard the full song, there you go. It is not the Citizen Kane of music. But in the moment, it is the most connective, impactful thing since Childish Gambino's This Is America. And that is saying something. I'm Tony Katz. I am a sucker for the state fair food. I am a sucker for a good food festival. And so th- this weekend, I had, I'd already been v- invited to like a, this barbecue festival. It's like an amateur barbecue uh, event in a, in a town called Noblesville, uh, put on by by the Rotary Club. I think they call it the Brew Brew, like drink, 
the beer and you pay a ticket and you get you get the beer and then you get the barbecue and you, you eat all afternoon and all evening and if you're a designated driver you pay less and very very cool tony katz tony katz today find it all at tonycats.com chris de scheduled to join us in a little bit is fox news trying to put their thumbs on the scale of the debate the first debate happens next week on fox news what Stagall discovered in the rules regarding the debate went viral. We'll also break down debate strategy. Uh, that coming up in a little bit. Uh, but I, I, I do love a good food festival. And the people there in, in, in Noblesville at the, at the Rotary, uh, they invited me. You got to come down. You should be a judge. I'm like, I'm not going to be a judge. If I'm going to try some barbecue, I just want to do it at my leisure. The last thing I want to be doing is eating barbecue and somebody taking pictures. Like, that's... That is not good. It's like if you're a candidate, don't ever eat the corn dog. Nope. Nope. If you're a candidate for office, you do not want to be seen taking a bite out of a hot dog or corn dog or any meat on a stick or anything else. If you have to eat pizza, you can't do it with a knife and fork. Game over. We're Americans. We have rules about these things. Don't be weird. Called Sullivan Hardware and Garden. You may have one of these wherever you live. Sullivan Hardware and Garden. And in Sullivan Hardware and Garden, what, what, what Pat Sullivan and his family and his team have created in this, it used to just be a hardware store. Now it's, it's patio furniture and it's, it's Christmas decor and it's more plants than you've ever seen in your entire life. And the, 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 the grills and the smokers that they sell, it's, it's where I got my Traeger. It's where I got my pellet grill. Uh, insane, insane stuff. And they do this thing called Egg Fest where it is everything there you buy one ticket and all the food is cooked on the big green egg which if you know anything about grilling or or, or barbecue you've seen this thing. it is amazing looks like a giant green egg it sits in a nest it's was oh, it porcelain or is it ceramic i don't even know but it can get really intense heats and it can hold heat you just got to work it and so that is tomorrow i i don't know how i didn't know because i'm usually very up on these things if you're an indie I will see you at Eggfest. And no, I'm not judging. No, I'm not selling any books. Although they do sell my book there at Sullivan. Uh, I, I, will, I will just be eating food. That's it. Just going to be eating food. Oh, SullivanHardware.com. If you want to get more information, SullivanHardware.com. I do love a good food festival. What is going on with the debate? Chris Tagal joins me next. This is Tony Katz today. question about the debate we're talking about the debate for the republican nomination for president and well there's a bunch of little pieces of madness that are going on regarding this debate it's very strange tony katz good to be with you tony katz today the debate is very peculiar. It's the first debate. It's happening next Wednesday. And uh, one would think that it was going to be important. 
<laughs> one would think that it was going to matter. One would think that it was going to really and truly show us what these candidates are all about. Maybe give some people an opportunity to be heard. Maybe give some of them an opportunity to reintroduce themselves. But that doesn't seem to be what we're getting. When people like the mayor of Miami, Francis Suarez, who polls at 0% is allowed in to the debate itself, and then when you learn what it is that's going on with Fox News and the rules, Chris DeGaul joins me right now. He is the host of uh, Philadelphia's AM 990, uh, The Answer Morning Show. You also hear him on the air in Kansas City. The man is a dual threat. He is the only other guy I know. Well, really, there's like three of us. There's you, me, and Lars Larson uh, who, who do what we do, doing, doing multiple shows. You're the one who kind of brought this to the fore, Chris, about Fox News. And, and, and this is how they wrote it up. Fox News placing strong limits on social media clips of the first debate. And, and you posted, like, the, the rules. Fox News has secured exclusive media rights to the Fox News Republican primary debate with partners Young America's Foundation and Rumble and where it's taking place. And it's this whole maddening list of how they expect the digital content to be shared. What is it that you, that you discovered and how'd you even come across it? You know, it's, uh, I got the note from Salem legal. I worked for Salem media group uh, in Philadelphia and my podcast is distributed with Salem as well. And I love working with my colleagues and broadcast partners at Salem a lot. But one thing I will say for them is they are buttoned up. And when it comes to legal matters or running afoul of any kind of law or potential problems, they're extraordinarily careful and cautious. They're very judicious this way. Um, And so as such, for the first time in my broadcast career, I was sent an edict, uh, an email from Salem corporate to everyone in programming. I was one. And that attached document that you just saw was was there. And I started to pursue this with, you know, th- that you can read it for yourselves. And I encourage everybody to do it. I said, is this something that our legal department wrote up? And they said, no, no, no. This is what Fox News produced and sent out to all of us. I said, all of who? They said, everyone. I said, everyone in media. They said, yes. I said, so you're, you're telling me, Tony Katz, me, Anderson Cooper on CNN, all of us who aren't Fox have to abide by this thing. And we can get into some of the specifics in a minute. They're outrageous. I've never heard of limits and rules like this in my life since we've been doing this. I've been in this for over 20 years. Um, They said, yeah, that was the case. So I just said, well, hell with it. Then I'm going to share it. And I did. I put it up on social media. And and off it went. So so we're talking about the fact that that when – uh, their coverage happens, and there are clips, right? And 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 we use services like Grabian, right, that we pay for to get access uh, to these clips and other things, and other people use other services. But they get shared around social media everywhere. Fox is saying no to that sharing or no to you making your own clips. You can only use our clips. I gather both. I mean, you know as well as I do in this business, in our game, it's – um, grab and go. It is kind of cafeteria. We're all sort of snatching and grabbing from different sources and outposts. And uh, I, I'm sure you've done interviews on your show that have been lifted and used as material on other shows and network shows, interviews that I've done. You know, I understand the attribution saying, you know, this clip courtesy of so and so. I don't have any problem with that. 
Fox News is very specific. Ask this time is if you take anything from our debate, it can be no more than three minutes in length total. You can't use any more than three minutes. Now, this debate's easily going to be what, an hour and a half, two hours, no more than three minutes. And you can only use that three minutes for seven days after seven days. You will never be able to revisit any audio or video of our debate again, ever. That's what that document says in short. Now, I, Tony, I don't know about you. I've never heard of this in my life. I want, talking to Chris DeGaul, uh, radio host out of Philadelphia, I want to know how they're going to enforce it. Right. It, because, it, you know, it's one thing if they were trying to enforce it on, on you or I because of where we do our, create our content, right? There, there's actually an entity one could go after. You're going to go after uh, Johnny on on Twitter? I'm sorry, X? You're going to go at who, who? How do you go after uh, the these people? And isn't there a conversation, Chris, about you, the idea that this is a presidential primary? This is information that is necessary to form an opinion about who you're going to elect. Yeah, I mean, I've talked with constitutional attorneys about it who all believe it falls under what's called fair use. As you understand, it's um, something that we've all kind of operated under the assumption that when you're talking about public servants, particularly governors and senators or those that would like to be the highest office in the land, that's a public concern. That's public speech. Now, listen, again, I appreciate that Fox is producing this. No, Sean Spicer made this point to me, and it's a good one. He says the the reason we're in this position is because the RNC gets in bed with people like Fox and Fox says, as long as we can control the show and we own the rights to the show, we'll put up all the money to produce it. The RNC has absolutely no skin, financial skin in this game. So I'm not defending the RNC, but I am pointing out the RNC is at the behest of their host. And in this case, it's Fox. So Fox gets to call the shots. And so uh, when you're asking yourself, why doesn't the RNC step up or why don't candidates step up? That's why this is like a two million dollar enterprise that Fox is ponying up. And as such, they're flexing and saying, well, we own the content. I would maintain this is not like a football game or a movie or a television show. You, you're, you're not creating a product. You're facilitating the broadcast. I respect that. But these people are public servants. Not not football players. It's not the NFL or MLB. They they made note in 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 the uh, contract or the, the 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 terms and conditions uh, that Rumble, the video streaming service, you and I are video streaming uh, on, on Rumble right now while we uh, are are also on the radio show. Rumble, um, yeah. uh, that they are a part of this. Are you telling me that Rumble can't now share the content? Fox still controls it. I think, I mean, I I couldn't speak to it for sure, but I think because Rumble is in partnership, they're okay. But I I don't. That's where I, I'm not clear. Like, right? Can I, and this can is where we, it gets more and more problematic. Because now, what yeah. what do I do? I'm on Rumble. I, I've got a, a channel on Rumble. Can I now share stuff that was on Rumble on Rumble? <laughs> no. And so MSNBC got a hold of this. And because their just reflexive position is to hate, 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 hate you, hate me, hate conservatives, hate Trump, hate Fox. Uh, Their knee-jerk reflexive reaction was that uh, they went digging around in this, and I've been told that this was in place in 2016. Well, if it was, I never saw it. It was never brought to my attention. So if they did have this rule before, I'd never seen it. And MSNBC was acting like there was no real news in this. I'm just saying, and I said, apparently Salem, my colleagues are looking to secure a debate themselves. 
they called me because Fox News got upset. Fox News said, would you please tell your guy to knock it off and quit giving us a hard time? We're getting calls, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> so Salem calls me and says, Fox is asking you to please be nice. And I said, OK. And they said, you should know we're also trying to secure a debate. And, you know, we're in this weird spot with the RNC. And I said, OK, but just answer this for me. Would we ever agree to terms like this? Would we ever set terms like this if we secure a debate here at Salem? And they said, well, no, absolutely not. I said, okay, as long as that's our position, then I've said my piece. Yeah, and I would I would think that if this was a 2016 thing, that would be kind of fascinating because nobody paid attention to it. And that could, could tell a very large story about where social media and digital platforms have come in eight years that there's a real financial, either financial loss or other thing, what it looks like. Right. When I first heard the story from you, I was like, is Fox trying to limit debate coverage? Is this a putting so. a thumb on the scale to try and prevent certain things from getting out into the universe? I, I think Tucker broke them. <laughs> and I'm serious. I, I know it may sound kind of obvious or easy to just throw it back to the Tucker thing. Tucker's move to Twitter, I think, short circuited them in their arrogance, in their uh, little bubble. They thought that the universe of conservative talk and thought all revolved around them. And then Tucker runs over to Twitter and starts his thing and they sue him and say, you can't do that. And Tucker said, oh, but I can. There's nothing in my contract that says I can't. And I think he's got him there which is hilarious. They're literally paying him his full freight salary from Fox for while he's on Twitter. His Vivek Ramaswamy interviews got something like 30 million views as we speak. Right. And I just think Fox is short circuiting. Holy crap. What is this Twitter? Th I, I think they're just late to the party. They don't understand that this is where it's going. I just saw a stat less than half of American households are watching TV uh, now. They're all, they're all, they're all here on rumble and listening to radio. They're listening to you. Talking well. to Chris DeGaulle uh, and me. Oh, you're kind. You're kind. On uh, uh, From Philadelphia, AM 990, the answer over there. Let's talk a little bit about the GOP debate. Because today we found out that the mayor of Miami, Francis Suarez, <laughs> who in the last four national poll, don't you laugh? This is a serious contender. He's got a handsome head of hair like you. Well, you're just a jealous, jealous, no hair happy man. Blindly blind, stinking jealous, I am. In the last four national polls, Chris DeGaulle, Francis Suarez, the mayor of Miami, is a goose egg. Zero. He has polled at zero percent. He has 40,000 original donors. He gets to be on the debate stage. What the hell is Rona McDaniel doing? Yeah, I mean, I, I was told that you needed 1% at least as part of it, not just donors, but 1% support, which he doesn't have. And here again, I mean, one wonders, you given what we were just talking about with Fox, I, I, now I have to suspect that Fox has something to do with it. I don't know if they want uh, a larger audience in Miami. You know, maybe they'd like to register a little higher in the Miami audience share. Uh, who knows? But it, you know, to me, what is going to be interesting next week is this memo that's come out supposedly of uh, Team DeSantis's super PAC that's counseling him to go after Vivek Ramaswamy and defend Trump. I don't know if you read that. I certainly did. I, I think a fight between DeSantis and Ramaswamy will be fascinating. I, I will say I, I look forward to that. I actually don't think Wednesday is going to have much to do with Trump at all, being there or not being there. I actually think the fight's going to be between those two guys. First, if any of these candidates are smart, it's not about Trump. Trump's right. not the story. Biden is the story. 
Focus on Biden from beginning to end. But I don't think it's Fox. If we're, if we're putting on tinfoil hats, Chris. Okay. On this beautiful head of hair of mine. <laughs> what we are discussing is the fact that Francis Suarez hates Ron DeSantis, that oh. Rona McDaniel is in her position because Donald Trump backed her up, and that's why Suarez is in the field. Yay or nay, am I certifiably insane? Wow. Rana doing Trump a solid by putting Suarez in to kick DeSantis around. That's a good one. Not one I'd considered. Yeah, I'm I'm going with it. I'm I'm putting my money on it. Well, what's right Trump going to do? Because I've heard people suggest that Trump should counter program and do his own deal. You think he will? I think that I think that this all leads into the conversation about uh, election interference. And I think this is the greatest example of it. He was going to do that press conference on Monday. President uh, Trump was going to do a press conference. Here is what I call the irrefutable evidence that there were these issues uh, with uh, with the election in, in Georgia. And then, but the lawyers say to me, we should do this as a legal filing and, and, and that's better. So that's what we're going to do. So Trump has first been prevented from speaking on Monday. If he goes to the debate, no matter what he says, that's going to get used against him in a court of law, and there are four of them looking to use something against him. You are limited. Whether I like Trump or not is inconsequential. Whether I think he should be the nominee is inconsequential. There can be no doubt that they're limiting his ability to campaign, and that can only be seen as election interference. Uh, if I'm him, I definitely don't go to the debate now because it can only hurt you with Fannie Willis there, the Fulton County DA, or one of the others. Yeah, that's a great perspective. And I'm also very excited and optimistic that this um, legislature, the three-fifths majority legislature, Republican in Georgia, that's asking Kemp to call for the special session. I, I don't know if that's up to Kemp, whether or not he decides to do it, but isn't that sexy? I'm very intrigued if that actually goes forward, that the legislature could spank Fannie. Yeah, the the... the... <laughs> You can use that later if you'd like. No, no, I don't think I will. I, I think that's going to be all yours, Chris Stegall. In Philadelphia, Fanny Willis is the district attorney. Fanny, for heaven's sakes, how yeah. can you leave that alone? Yeah, because I have standards, and I, I would never tell that. I would never say that. But Chris Moore is a state senator who uh, is calling for basically the impeachment of the district attorney there in Fulton County, and and I'm with him. All the way, Chris DeGaul, uh, the Harumph Society is the podcast where you find everything. Where do I find the Harumph Society? Well, the, the Harumph Society is actually my three times a week newsletter. I'm publishing oh. a new one today. I do that uh, at Substack. It's my uh, Substack three times a week. Uh, the Chris DeGaul Show podcast available every day, everywhere you listen to podcasts. Or you can go right to my website, ChrisTigall.com, and listen to it from there. S-T-I-G-A-L-L. Chris Tigall, I appreciate it. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. Joe Biden is Robert L. Peters. We got into it yesterday, but man, oh man, never forget that the Biden crime family is the biggest story in America. It's not Trump and the indictments. It is that Hunter Biden was utilizing Joe Biden to be able to get money for himself. It's that Joe Biden knew it. And the proof that he knew it is that he used the name Robert L. Peters as a way of avoiding oversight. That's how he signed his emails. Robert L. Peters or Robin Ware. 
or JRB wear, and I assume he used the name Robert L. Peters because Ron Mexico and Carlos Danger were already taken. Anthony Weiner and Michael Vick screwed him on that, so he had to come up with something. Robert L. Peters. This is the same thing that Hillary Clinton did. Hillary Clinton took a server, put it in her bathroom, so she could have emails sent and she could avoid government oversight. Using a fake name is the same, and using more than one, as Congressman James Comer pointed out, using more than one is proof that you were trying to keep people from seeing what it is you were doing. The Biden crime family is the biggest story in America. And that MSNBC and CNN aren't covering it, that's how you know it's true. I'm Tony Katz.